I want to welcome you to Northridge Church this weekend, and it's my prayer it really will be another unforgettable moment in your life. We have the privilege of having just a dynamic and passionate communicator. He's, he's the pastor of Fellowship Monrovia in Monrovia, California, but I'm telling you, he's sought after all around the world, and when you hear him, you'll know why. In just four short years, he actually started the church in 2012. They've made a huge impact at, at sharing and advancing the hope of Jesus. And that's what we at Northridge are all about, just really helping people to wake up to the reality of Jesus. So this weekend's going to be a great weekend. Would you help me please welcome Albert Tate? Hey, y'all, what's happening? Y'all good? Amen, yo. I am peacock proud and hyena happy to be here today, I tell you. Uh, Celine and Brighton, so good to have y'all on board. And I'm just excited about all that God's doing in the earth. And I, you know, they don't give a brother a long time to preach out here, man. They give, the clock is already counting me down, man, you know. A clock to a black preacher is like kryptonite to Superman. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. So I ain't got a lot of time. So let me jump on in. Let me start reading scripture, man. I feel the pressure, man. John, John chapter 4, begin reading at verse 4. Hear these words of the Father. John chapter 4. Did y'all, did y'all notice? Did y'all know there's a house on the stage? Y'all know that house in California would be $2 million. Y'all just... I just want to stay up here, and I, I was looking at it. I just want to make sure y'all told the neighbors it was somebody black going to be in the neighborhood today uh, preaching. It's like, I don't want to scare the neighbors over there. Okay, now, John chapter 4, verse 4, the clock's still going. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. John chapter 4, begin reading at verse 4. Hear these words of our Father. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground uh, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water wailing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had one, two, three, four, five husbands, and the man you're sleeping with now ain't your husband. (laughs) 
Sorry, I got a little off. Let's see. Uh, Sir, verse 19, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. All day long, Father, you've been speaking to us, so would you speak as we've gathered together? Tune our ear to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us. God, it's to that end that I ask that you stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you'd have us say, know, and do. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Have your way in this great church today. In Jesus' name. Every heart said amen. Jesus says we must go through Samaria. We must go through Samaria. Now, if you're not careful, that doesn't have much implication. You just think, okay, that's just some phrase. No, 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 no. It has huge cultural implications. See, you've got to understand, Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Uh, they, they, they hated Samaritans. As a matter of fact, they would call them mutts, uh, mongrels. They called them mixed breeds because they had intermarried with other nations and they had entertained other gods. So they, they, they looked at them as mutts, as those who had mixed and intermarried mingled with the wrong people. So, so, so they, would, they would not only dislike them, they, they had such a disdain for them that they would actually go around Samaria. So when traveling, they would literally go out of their way and they would go around Samaria to, to avoid the very appearance, to avoid even seeing Samaritans. So you can imagine their surprise when the disciples got ready to turn left and go around Samaria. And Jesus says, I, I, I know we must go through Samaria because when following Jesus Christ, we don't go around your cultural, racial, perpetual issues and walls. No, no, no. When following Jesus Christ, we go through the racial issues. We go through the issue of the day. We go and we deal with culture. We're not going to go around it. We're going to go through it. When following Jesus Christ, we don't build up walls. We build up bridges so that we might reach people. He says... He says, no, 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 come on, we're going through Samaria because today I'm going to help you understand that Samaritan lives matter. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know know what some of you think. You probably think like the disciples. No, no, Jesus, all lives matter. He's like, no, 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 no. Yes, all lives matter, that's true. But guess what? In Samaria, there's a woman who's sitting at a well who's wrestling with her value, wrestling with her significance, wrestling with her identity. And today she don't need to hear every life matter. She needs to hear your life matter, girl. Your Samaritan life matters. 
We, we've got to get to the place in our culture where we don't allow culture to define the divides of the day. We as believers of Jesus Christ, we go against the grain of culture. We don't go with the world. We don't build walls to separate one another. We reach out and we intentionally reach to people that don't look like us, don't live like us, don't vote like us. I really believe some of us are going to get to heaven and we're going to freak out because we're going to realize it ain't a white section of heaven, ain't a black section of heaven, ain't an Asian section of heaven and a Latino section, but every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every race will be gathered around God's throne declaring worthy is the lamb that was slain. We gonna all be together. We might as well start practicing now. Although parenthetically, we do know if there was a black section in heaven, the music would be off the chain. You know that, don't you? You'd be saying, girl, I'm going to the black section tonight. I love it. Jesus says, this is so important in our culture today, in our time today, because I don't know about you, but be careful because because we got to turn down the, I told my church the other side, we got to turn down the volume of Fox News. We got to turn down the volume of MSNBC. We got to turn down the volume of CNN, CNN and turn up the volume of the kingdom of God so that his voice may rule, reign, and shape our life and shape who we are. We've got to turn up the volume of the kingdom. When you turn up the volume of kingdom. He'll send you down paths that you normally would go around. You'd go around arrogantly, but no, he walked in humbly. He walked in and says, no, I got to go to Samaria because there's some hurting people in Samaria, and they need to know that I see them, I hear them. When you, find, when you see hurting people, you don't tell them, well, you hurting, but you, you, you just need to get over it. No, 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 you go. Watch what Jesus does. Jesus goes into Samaria. He goes and there's a woman there. Ha. Ah, this woman, we'll, we'll find out more of her story later, but I love it how Jesus goes. And first of all, Jesus is a rabbi. He's now a rabbi in Samaria that don't go together. He's now a rabbi in Samaria talking to a woman. He's now a rabbi in Samaria talking to a woman standing at a well. Well, a well, back then in literature, it had a, a romantic connotation. It's kind of like somebody asking you to come over to watch a movie and y'all watching The Notebook. It has a romantic connotation. You got intentions with me if we watching a notebook together. You know what I mean? The homies don't get together and watch the notebook. You see what I'm saying? Like, if we watching a notebook, you got some thoughts in mind. You know, that, that, that's, the, that's what the whale would do. It implied thoughts. So the fact that Jesus, the rabbi, is standing at the well talking to this woman, it's inappropriate. It's an inappropriate place. He should not be there. Let me just take 15 seconds to say this. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad. I thank my God that he shows up in places where he ain't supposed to be because that's where he found me. He goes to inappropriate places and he engages this woman. And I love it. He's sitting there. It's awkward. He's not supposed to be there, but that doesn't stop him. He still, he still engages her. He steps to her. He, he makes the first move. He says to her, he, he says to the woman, it, it, it's like his, the way he even talks to her, it, it was clear that Jesus had game even then. It just, 
I'm sorry, game, uh, persuasive in speech in a way to endear the listener and persuade them on his behalf. Uh, 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 he had game. He had game. He, he said, he says, listen to how he talked to the woman. Listen to how he talked. He said, he said, give me something to drink. But the woman, I can, you can hear the attitude in the text. You can almost hear her attitude in the text. She was like, First of all, why are you even talking to me? Your people don't like my people, and my people don't like your people, so why are you even talking to me? I love it, though. Jesus, he wasn't tripping at all. He wasn't tripping. Uh, I'm sorry, tripping. Uh, Dismayed or discouraged by the lack of enthusiasm in her initial response to his first inquiry. Um, He wasn't tripping. He wasn't tripping. He said, he said, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me to give you something to drink. You ain't even got a cup. How, how am I asking you? And, and what you got your own special brand of water? Oh, you got your own special. Oh, you fancy, huh? Oh, you fancy, huh? Like, like you got your own, like, like. Jacob drank from this well himself. Like his children drank from this well. His dog drank from this well. Your stuff is better than Jacob's well and his children and his dog. If you knew who I was, you would have asked me for living water. And if you would have asked me, you would have asked me for water. And I would have given you living water. The water I give you, I would have placed in you. And it would have dwelled in you. And it would spring up new life. The water that you desire, you will thirst again. But the water that I will give you, you will never, ever have to thirst again. Because the water that I give you will satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. Can I have some of that water, please? Because she knew what it was like to be thirsty. She knew what it was like to have to keep coming back and to still be longing for more. She knew what it was like to live a life sitting on empty. She knew what it was like to desperately want more. So at the chance, at the hope, at the first opportunity of her getting something and receiving something that would satisfy her soul, she immediately leaps at the opportunity and says, please give me this water. And before he would give her the water, he says to her, go get your husband. Go get your husband. She like why? Why I gotta go? Why I gotta go? What 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 we gotta bring him in it for? Like I I he not thirsty. I'm thirsty. He fine. Why we gotta bring Fred up in it? Like he ain't got nothing to do with this. He he busy anyway. I don't know why we talking about him. <laughs> Jesus was being very intentional here. He exposes something about this woman that we initially didn't see or know. This woman was no ordinary woman. This, this woman was a, she's a woman with a past. Uh, how do I say it? There's a couple of children in the room. Uh, she's, this woman was a, oh, she, she, she was a woman of the night, if you will. Uh, y'all still, uh, y'all didn't get it. Uh, she, uh, 
Ah, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. She, she, had a, she had a men's ministry. Uh, this, <laughs> you got it, you got it, you, you got it, Brighton. You got it, you got it that time. So they, she, 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 this, this woman was a woman who had been abused. She had been after relationship after relationship. And the way society was set up, the deck was stacked against a woman who lost her first husband. So each with each husband, with each relationship, her credibility, her stature, her, her place in society just got lower and lower. And she was easily abused and victimized. So when she's standing there, he says, yes, you don't have a husband. She says, she says I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. You have no husband. As a matter of fact, you've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. That makes number six. But what you don't realize, girlfriend, is you just met man number seven and he has come to transform you and to make you whole and you will never be the same again. Number seven is here. He says, but in order for me to do the work that I've got to do in you, in order for me to completely transform your life, in order for me to give you the thing that you're desperately longing for, I still need you to go get your husband. I need you to bring me the area in your life that you're ashamed of. I need you to bring me the area in your life that you're embarrassed by. I need you to bring me the area in your life that's marked with struggle. I need you to bring me the area in your life that's marked with guilt and shame. I I need you to bring me the area. See, see, we all want the living water, but the question is, are you willing to bring your husband? Are you willing to bring the area of shame? Are you willing to bring the area of brokenness? Are you willing to bring the area of sin? Are you, he says, come on, bring the pornography. Bring the bitterness. Oh, come on, come on, don't, don't, come on. Bring the unforgiveness. Bring the self-righteousness. You want the living water. You singing a song, please, Jesus, fill me up. I'm going to fill you up, but first I got to take some stuff out of here. Bring me all that you have. It says, bring me your marriage. Bring me the infidelity. Bring me the inappropriate relationship on Facebook. Bring me the flirting that's going back and forth. Bring me the emotional affair. Bring me the lustful thoughts. Come on, come on. Bring me the insecurity. Bring, bring me your, your, your unhealthy idolatry of your children because you set them up to be little gods in your life and you worship at the altar of your children instead of worshiping at the altar of your God. Bring me your children. Bring, bring me your job because you... Huh, you have more passion for your job than you do for your wife. He says, bring me. He says, yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to have revival. I'm going to do a new thing in your life, and I'm going to hook you up. But first, I need you to hook me up. I need you to bring me the broken areas. See, this is the stuff that we don't talk about. This is the stuff where we as church people, we get real crammy, we get real quiet, we just get a little uncomfortable because this is the stuff we don't deal with because if we're not careful, you'll walk in a service like this and you'll look around and it looks like everybody got it together. You put on that church face, the church face, and it looks like everything got it together. And and, and in a moment of vulnerability, you almost want to raise your hand and say, I need help. I'm struggling. Before you raise your hand, you look around and the devil tells you you're the only one. 
You look around because it looked like everybody else's marriage, everybody else was good. Nobody else had a fight in the parking lot. I'm coming to church. They, were, they came in. It looked like they came in the driveway this morning singing hymns and praying prayers and reading scriptures in the driveway. Were we the only one that was fighting in the parking lot today? You, you look, and before you, you start comparing yourself to other people, and you think that you're the only one struggling, you think that everybody else, you're like, look at that mom. Look at her. She just got it, and she got the new stroller I want to see. I wanted a stroller like that. Look at her stroller. My stroller all raggedy. Make my neck hurt when I be driving. Her stroller's like a Cadillac. She just cruising around the place, just sliding around. Like, 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 like you, look at, you look at other people, and you say, no one else is struggling like me. So it forces you in this silence, forces you to wear guilt and shame when God has a greater purpose for your life. I love to do this. Watch this. If, if you're in this room and you got areas in your life that are marked by failure, got areas in your life of struggle or areas in your life where you just missed the mark, just raise your hand up. Raise your hand up. Now leave them up. Leave them up. Leave them up. Look around the room. Leave them up. Look around the room. You, saw the, you see the cute girl you was checking out doing worship? Look. Her hand is up. Look around. You saw, the, you saw the little cute couple where she was just rubbing his neck a few minutes ago, and you were like, oh, my God, get a room. Look, look. Look, their, their hand is up. Look at that. As a matter of fact, put your hands up. Leave your hand up. Leave your hand up. As a matter of, look at Some of y'all can't even do it. It's like, oh, I'm just so nice. Relax. Turn around. I want you to turn around to the person sitting next to you, and I want you to say to them, say, neighbor. Woman, stop looking at me. Turn to your neighbor. I said to her. You talking to me? Look to her. Say, neighbor, I'm so glad to see you just as jacked up as I am. Man in the balcony just looked at his wife and said, I've been waiting to say that for 25 years. It's going to be Wednesday. He's going to be saying, girl, you just as jacked up as I am. Remember, it's the sermon. <laughs> he says, go get your husband. But this is when it gets sticky because she, she deflects a little bit. She, for, for a brief moment, she defends her dysfunction. She defends her dysfunction. She, she's... She says, okay, okay, you must be a prophet or something. So it's a religious thing. So we worship in this mountain, but y'all say that we should worship in Jerusalem. Jesus says, she, she's defending her religious life as if it's working for her. It's not working for you, so why are you even defending it? Jesus says, y'all worship what you do not know. I think a lot of times when when the Spirit is convicting us, we start defending our bad behavior because we have an unhealthy relationship with our sin and with our struggle. Or we have an unhealthy relationship with the guilt and shame of our past. We still tie to it. I call it the Taylor Swift anointing. Y'all, y'all, y'all don't know what the Taylor Swift anointing is? What has Brad been teaching y'all? What is this? The Taylor Swift, the, it's, it's, it's because of this. The, the young prophet Taylor Swift says this. She says, and we will never, ever get back together. We will never, ever get back together. 
Well, why are you still singing about him then, Taylor? You ever thought about that? If y'all ain't going to never get back together, why he get a whole song? He get a whole song, Taylor? You just going to sing about him all night? I thought y'all was broke up. Sound like y'all still together. I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're broken up, why does he still get the melody of your heart? Why he still get a whole verse and a chorus and a song? I'm telling you, God is calling you out of the guilt and shame and the sin of your past, and he has a new song for you to sing. You ain't got to sing the old melody. You ain't got to stay in the same tune, and you ain't got to stay in the season remembering all that once was. No, God says, behold, I am doing a new thing in your life. Some of you are sitting in here today and you are struggling with the burdens and the weight of your past and I've come to tell you God says I want to do a new thing in your marriage. I want to do a new thing in your family. I want to do a new thing in your finance. I want to do a new thing in your children. I want to do a new thing in your friendships. I want to do a new thing in your relationships. I want to do a new thing in your school. He says behold thy God will do a new thing in your life. I've come to do a new thing. She says, yeah, I know. He says, it's not about where you worship. It's about who you worship. And it's about how you worship. He says, the time is coming and now is when you don't have to live one way and show up in another way. Now you don't have to sneak at the well and hide from your friends. He says, because a time is coming when you can worship in spirit and in truth. And in your worship, you can tell the truth about what's going on with you. In your worship, you can tell the truth and you can be honest about where you are. And because I'm going to be honest about where I'm bringing you to. God says, tell the truth about where you are and know that I'm going to love you right where you are. But I'm going to love you too much to leave you right where you are. I'm going to bring you into my presence into my purpose, into my plan for your life. A time is coming when it ain't about you worshiping in this mountain. It's about you worshiping honestly and truthfully to your almighty God. And then, I, 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 don't, I don't know how you read it, but I hear a sense of defeat in her. She says, yeah, I know a Messiah's coming, and I, I just got to wait till he comes. In other words, she delays her deliverance. It's going to get better one day, but just not today. Some of you came in here today with some stuff that you need to get set free from, and you've been delaying, you've been delaying. You've been waiting and pushing it off. There have been some issues, some things you need to work through, some, some, some relationships that need to be mended that have been broken, some phone calls that you need to make, some, some adjustments in your diet that you just need to do, some, some adjustments in how you live that you need, some bad habits that you need to get, some, some, some addictions that you need to get some accountability for, and you've been delaying and delaying, and here in this moment, I just see her delaying and almost accepting that this is her new reality, accepting that. Almost like I've been denied deliverance for today, and I got to wait till tomorrow. 
It reminds me of a story um, of a mentor of mine, Dr. Bobby G. Cooper. Dr. Bobby G. Cooper was over the music department at Heinz Utica College, junior college. And I was a student, and I came in, and he was a great mentor to me. And uh, we, I was actually in the choir. I, <laughs> I know I get this all the time. I know you thought I was a football player because of my physique and the way I'm built. Um, and uh, no, I, this is just natural. God just gave this to me. Um, so no, I wasn't a lineman. I was actually a first tenor. Um, so... So uh, after I graduated junior college, Dr. Cooper would still bring me back in to help out. He'd help out, help out with the choir. And for compensation, he knew that I had a great love for suits. I loved dressing up. And uh, he used to shop at this place called Backrack. Um, and he said, Albert, what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll buy you a suit. Uh, every time you come back to help me once a year, I'll buy you a suit, and that will be your compensation for helping me out with the choir. So I was like, cool. So we're at the back rack store. He's buying me a suit, and I'll never forget, we're literally on the counter. I got my suit on the counter, and we're standing there, and we're talking. And Dr. Cooper just this proper, just, just classic man. I'm a classic man. Yes, yes, him. Um, so, um, and he, and he's, he's standing there, and he, while we're talking, the, the cashier interrupts and says, uh, excuse me, but your card was declined. Lord have mercy. I was so embarrassed, but I was like, that's how embarrassing. Not only was it embarrassing, but it was upsetting because I'm thinking, Lord, I ain't gonna be able to get my suit. Lord, I ain't gonna be able to get my suit. So I'm sitting there, I'm disturbed, I'm upset. Here's the crazy thing. I'm thinking this is awkward, how embarrassing. You know, it, it's, I mean, it wouldn't be embarrassing for me because it happens to me all the time. I'm like, girl, here, take another card. Let's try that one. Let's pray in the name of Jesus that that one go through. Nope, that one, come on. In the name of Jesus, let's try another one. Oh, come on, I guess I'm the only one. That ain't never happened to nobody in here. You ain't never had to pray over your car. It'd be like, Jesus, be a fence all around me. Gee, in the name of Jesus, go, go. Go. Hallelujah. It went through. Praise the Lord. It went through. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So that ain't nothing for me, but then, you know, this is Dr. Cooper. So Dr. Cooper sitting there, this is like, and, 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 but he didn't, y'all, I'm telling you, with all the confidence in the world, he looked at her and said, try it again. And then turned back and started talking to me. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, I ain't heard nothing he's saying. I'm just sitting here praying in tongues, hoping this car go through because I want my suit today. You know what I mean? So I'm thinking, how embarrassing. Oh, Lord, he tried it again. Last thing I would do is tell anybody to try my card again. You know what I mean? So, so he did, and then I'm saying, so I'm thinking, I'm praying. Then she come back. She come back and said, excuse me. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, this is this. Excuse me. Um, the car, sorry for the delay. The card was approved. And he looked and says, thank you, and starts talking back again. And this time, I ain't listening. All I'm thinking is, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to get my suit. Praise the Lord. You know what I mean? So, so I get the bag, and y'all, we walk out. And Dr. Cooper hasn't acknowledged the awkwardness. He hadn't acknowledged the moment at all. We just walking out. But we get to the door, and he stops me. My name is Albert, but he calls me Bert for short. He leaned in. He says, Bert. I said, yeah, doc. He says, I may have been delayed, but I ain't never been denied and walked out the store. I guess what I want you to understand, if you're in this room and you're waiting on God, if you're in this room, if you're struggling, I've come to tell you, you may be delayed, but you have not been denied. Your God 
God is moving on your behalf. Your God has a purpose for your life. Your God has a plan for your life. You may be delayed, but you have not been denied. He looks at this woman so profound. He says to her, this Messiah that you seek, I am he. I'm the one you're looking for. I have come to set you free. Might have taken a while. Maybe you've been suffering for a while, but you haven't been denied. Your God has come to see about you. Maybe you're in this room and you've been suffering for a while. You've been struggling for a while. Sin has had its grip on you for a while. I've come to tell you, you don't have to go another day living like this. God has come so that you might have the living water. I don't care, I don't care where you are. If you're in this room, there's a, there's a form right in your little bulletin right here. We've made it so easy for you. If you just fill that out, just say, I'd love to get some help. I'd love to get some prayer. I'd love to sign up and get in community. Or... After service, we're going to have a prayer team right down here that'll pray with you right now, that'll pray with you today, right after this service. You don't have to leave this place carrying these burdens by yourself. One of the most beautiful things about this story is that when the disciples come up, this woman walks away, but she walks away leaving her water pot, leaving her water jar. You know what that means, don't you? She left her way and went in God's way. Some of you came today and you're carrying a water jar. You're carrying your water pot. And I'm telling you, you can leave today. Not in your way, but you can leave in his way. All you got to do is fill out the form. Or, or, or just come down and stand and say, I love, the, I love to get prayer because I'm carrying something that's way too heavy for me. I'm carrying something that wasn't designed for me to carry. I need Jesus to come to the well of my life so that I don't have to go home carrying the water jar. Some of you, Satan is telling you that, that it's too late. He's telling you that you've missed the mark, that, that, that he's done. I'm telling you the king is still on the throne. And I'm telling you, the king still has a purpose and he still has a plan for your life. He's still moving. Your marriage isn't over. He's still moving in your marriage. He's still moving in your family. He's still moving in your heart. I'm telling you, I don't care how bad you've messed up. He's still moving. It reminds me of a story. We'll go home on this one. It reminds me of a story of two men who walk into a museum. One is captivated by this painting because he is a professional chess player, and this painting is a picture of a chess match, a chess match, and the caption under the picture says checkmate, which we know is chess terminology for the game is over. Well, he's captivated. His friend goes around and looks at other things, but he doesn't go anywhere. He stays right there studying and analyzing and studying and analyzing and looking at the board, and he's studying and analyzing. Well, they announced the museum is getting ready to close. His friend grows weary. I'm about to leave. He says, no, 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 I can't leave yet. And he's studying and analyzing. Finally, his friend says, man, I'm leaving. He says, no, wait, come here. He says, what? He says, look at this painting. He says, what? It's a picture of a chess match. He says, no, 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 look closely. This painting is wrong. He says, how can a painting be wrong? He says, no, look, the painting is wrong. He says, what do you mean the painting is wrong? He says, look, the caption says chess 
checkmate, which, which means the game should be over. But if you look closely, man, in the corner, you'll see that the king still has one more move. And as long as the king still has one more move, that means the game is not over. This means this painting is wrong. What I've come to tell you is the devil might try to show you the picture of your life and he's trying to tell you that it's checkmate. He's trying to tell you that it's over. He's trying to tell you that it's done. But I came all the way from California to tell you that the king is still on the throne. And as long as the king is on the throne, the game is not over. The king still has one more move. He's still moving in your life. He's still moving in your family. He's still moving in your heart. You ought to give the king some praise for moving in your life. You ought to give the king some glory for moving in your life. The king still has one more move. So give him glory for moving in your life. Give him some praise. 